So today I have Robert Cardenas online. He's a professional angler out of Minnesota, um, all around good guy. I had the privilege of fishing with him on the uh, Bay City Saginaw Bay event during the National Walleye Tour in July. And I just want to talk to him about fishing, his journey as a professional angler, and get some tips from him for any aspiring angler and, and learn more about walleye fishing, the industry, and uh, just having a good time on the water. And no better person I can think of talking to than uh, Robert. It's been a while. And uh, Robert, <laughs> welcome uh, welcome on the LSCWA Walleye World Podcast. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we'll get started. The first question I had for you is how and why did you get started uh, doing what you do in walleye fishing? Oh, well, that's a big question. Um, you know, I actually... I, I absolutely love fishing. I mean, I, I live it day and night. You can ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the biggest, the biggest thing for me uh, was watching, you know, I grew up watching these guys on TV, mm-hmm. um, PWT mostly. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I said, you know, I want to be that. I want to do that someday. I, you know, and every time I'd watch it, I'd want to do that. I couldn't wait for that TV show to come on. And I'm like, God, I just, you know, someday I want to, I want to be there and I want to do that and fish against these guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, one year I just decided that I was going to save up my money, um, fish on the co-angler side, um, of the FLW and the AIM and they're the pro-am series. And I was going to travel. So I, I, found a team that I could travel with, uh, Brian Brozal and Terry Filkins mm-hmm. and just learn as much as I possibly could, you know, the grind of what they do in and out because I've fished a lot of tournaments, you know, team tournaments where you're out there with your friend, um, you know, and it's easy to bounce questions off those guys, but you know, you're out there kind of by yourself making decisions Yeah, and you really gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, work with yourself basically in your mind, what you're going to do and not being able to talk to somebody else. So it was kind of cool working with Terry Filkins and Brosdell. And, you know, when I was a co-angler, I fished in the tournament as an amateur. Um, So, you know, I was going to learn from all the other guys also, the other pros um, that were fishing, you know, I was going to take away as much as I possibly could with the goal in mind of me fishing on the pro side um, eventually, mm. which ended up happening the very next year. But, but that was my goal. And, you know, I think, I mean, that was the biggest part of learning for me was, you know, fishing as, on the co-angler side. Very nice. Um, yeah. And I, I would imagine that, uh, fishing and finding the right guys to help shape, uh, how you approach dissecting water and, uh, learning these tactics that you apply at multiple different lakes, multiple different bodies of waters is, uh, key to, uh, kind of shaping your thinking and approaching that water and, uh, uh kind of explain yeah. the importance to us of, uh, networking and, and working with the right guys to help get you on the path of success. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's huge because, you you know, the, the what you'll learn in this industry or the fishing industry, it's not just fishing. There's there's a whole business aspect to it, mm-hmm. and which is a very large part of it, actually. 
and me traveling with Brian Brolsdahl and Terry Filkins, um, you know, on the FLW tour, uh, Brian Brolsdahl was the Ego boat. Um, and I, and I'm sure people remember that was a big yellow boat, but he was being pulled in many, many different directions. You know, he's a big ice guy, but he, you know, he's got, he's a, he's a guides all summer. He's an unbelievable fisherman. Mm-hmm. So was Terry Filkins. But I saw um, during that the whole business aspect of the fishing world was him as he was being pulled to, you know, meet and greets or interviews and, you know, a lot of time actually off the water that he couldn't be pre-fishing. He had to go do these things. So I knew there was, you know, a whole nother aspect to this fishing world. Um, and I wanted to know more and more about it. So it helped fishing with him. Another part is obviously, you know, you're not, you're fishing these tournaments and you're not fishing under a home body of water every tournament yeah. you're traveling around. And so, and that's, that's a, that's tough because you don't coming into it, you don't have a real big network. Um, and you're going to lakes that you really don't know that much. So it was interesting to see how these guys dissected these bodies of water going to them. Obviously, you know, though, you know, Brian and, and Terry had uh, good networking, you know, and, and showed me a lot, you know, with maps and, you know, talking to bait shops and, you know, just different kinds of things on how you find information out of what's going on mm-hmm. now. Um, so that, you know, it, it, it helped a lot, but I know, you know, going into the, on the pro side, when I did jump into the pro side, my very first tournament was on Lake Erie. I had never been to Lake Erie. So, you know, and I'm with one other guy who had never been to Lake Erie either. So, yeah. you know, but it, you know, it really helped with, you know, learning some of those skills and, um, you know, helping, helped us break the water down and, you know, trying to find, you know, how these fish are migrating from the West to the East and, you know, where they usually are at this time of the year, you know, just trying to find those kind of spots. Yeah. And, I would imagine that, uh, Erie's quite a different beast compared to the lakes in, uh, Minnesota. It's, uh, as you know, a lot more, uh, flats specific searching for migratory fish and the movements and, and where they're at at the right time. And, uh, definitely see how that'd be a benefit of talking to the right folks and, uh, learning that. Um, so just running the water, just, just <laughs> ab- absolutely just work running in the water too. You know, the waves mm-hmm. are absolutely giant out there when it's windy and you know, they're rollers. So there's a little reprieve in there. But I, I remember one time asking Brett King, I'm like, would they actually send us out in this <laughs> kind of weather? And he's like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so, you know, one day it was, it was really bad. And, um, I mean, it would be tough to even fish. And he's like, just go out there and learn to drive in the waves. Just learn, just don't even fish, just drive. And, you know, so we did that. And, you know, it, you know, it's just all that little stuff, you know, cause to me, I, if I would have been sent out in that before, I would have been like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, what am I going to do here? You know, <laughs> at that time when you were fishing that event, were you, uh, with warrior and running those boats? Um, I, I fished in your boat. That's one of the best, uh, rough water performing boats I've been in. Uh, did you have that yeah. at that time? I, you know, my very first year I was in Ranger, okay. so I was not in that 
And my very first tournament, I lost a lower unit also. Oh. So, I mean, that's quite a, a crazy story. So I lost my lower unit like three, four days before the tournament. Yikes. My very first tournament, you know, so I don't even know what's going on. I actually talked to Jules, who who was out there. She helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know Jules at the time. But these are the kind of connections that you just keep learning and you keep meeting these people, you know. And she got me in to see someone right away. Um, they looked at it. They actually flew in a lower unit, um, got it fixed up the night before the tournament. Um, <laughs> and we were out in Lorraine, and this was in um, uh, Port Clinton is where I was getting my boat fixed. Yeah, The tournament was going out of Lorraine. So I missed the rules meeting, my very first rules meeting, because I had to go pick up my boat. Oh, boy. Which was okay. You know, I talked to the tournament director and everything. But, you know, all this stuff is, like, going through my mind, you know. I've never done this stuff before and <laughs> um, on my own, you know, mm-hmm. and I put my, put my boat in the next morning with my co-angler, my co-angler put me in and I was sitting out there idling and an alarm came on and I'm like, Oh no, you know, I just, <laughs> what now? And my, it wasn't spitting water out. Oh, so it was, you know, it was getting hot and it was, it went into limp mode. Um, so I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. You know, obviously something's wrong. So then I sat at the dock. Everybody took off. You know, this is my first tournament. You know, I'm like, this isn't good. I drove all the way out to Lake Erie. I was really <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 13-hour drive out there. Oh. And uh, they had the Yamaha trailer. Um, he was just trying to go off, you know, try to think of ideas of what could be wrong with it. I ended up calling the place that fixed it. And, um, the Yamaha trailer guy actually knew the guy where I was having my boat fixed. So they were banging things off each other's heads. Mm -hmm. And he just said, if you can just get your boat here as fast as you can. They had an idea. Some holes wasn't, or was being pinched or something, but the lower Mm -hmm. unit was going to have to be dropped again. And so we drove all the way out. My co-angler came with me. We drove to Port Clinton. (laughs) <laughs> and, oh. um, they dropped the lower unit um fixed it all up then they filled the tub with water you know and i'm thinking in my mind if i can get back i can go fishing but <laughs> i don't you know I, it's just everything was like in slow motion for me yeah um so they put the lower unit back on they tested it everything was good so i'm like all right so we started heading back and i actually called the tournament director to see if i could go out and have a different access you know, so I wouldn't have to drive all the way to Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said no because okay. <laughs> there was a long no wake there. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I had about an hour and a half before we had to be back in. And I was going 17 miles out is where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. We had some smaller fish closer to shore. But, I, you know, and, that, and that's what I was going to actually do is just go after those smaller fish and just try to salvage a day yeah but then i was like you know i didn't drive all the way out to lake erie just to like you know not even have a chance to win this <laughs> so i just told my co-angler hold on and we drove out there and we probably had about 45 minutes to fish and we um i i needed at that time this was an aim tournament so they mm-hmm. caught seven fish seven fish was what we were bringing in and we absolutely 
caught big fish. You know, I kept getting them here and there and there. Wow. I'm like, oh, this might work. This might work. And then I needed two more fish. I had five fish. And I, I mean, I probably had a minute to go. And I, I think we we're actually reeling in our inside boards. And both my outside boards went at the same time. <laughs> And then I saw Scott Duncan take off and he's like one of the last people to leave always. So when you see Scott Duncan leaving, you're like, "Uh Oh, you got to get going. So I'm reeling in these fish and you know, you got to take pictures as catch record release. So got them in They're both just tanks, Mm. cut all my lines and then just took off (laughs) and we took the pictures and took off in and I made it within seconds in. I wasn't late. Oh, but I man. ended up weighing 45 pounds in about 45 <laughs> minutes. It was unbelievable. How do you, I mean, for my first tournament. <laughs> I mean, for one, I think I would have had a meltdown. And um, I fished with you before, and uh, you keep pretty cool under pressure. But how, how did you not freak out? And then how, how did you respond to, uh, mentally <laughs> having a day I, like that? In the morning, I, and this is my very first tournament, my very first day ever, you know? Yeah. And in all in my mind, I just kept thinking, like, I, you know, I drove all the way out here to fish this <laughs> big tournament. And, I'm, and so in my mind, I was constantly thinking, okay, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to get back so I can fish. And that was in my mind. And, you know, when I was at the weigh-in, everybody was saying, I would have never done that. I would have would just put my boat on the trailer, you know? And most people wouldn't have went and gotten, got it fixed and then actually come back and fished. So, it, you know, it was pretty cool. I remember Gary Parsons telling me that it's like, you know, it's pretty amazing what you did and then, and then how you actually caught them too, you know, yeah. to get that amount of weight and, and be uh, in it. I took 13th in the tournament. So that's it was insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was insane. I mean, it was just unreal. Yeah, and uh, that's got to be that's got to feel good hearing those uh, words from a guy like Gary too. Yep, yep. It, it you know it really it really did. But then you know the very next tournament, you know, I am sure people have heard this story. My very and this is my first year. Mm-hmm. Very next tournament's at Green Bay, and my boat gets stolen. What? <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear that. I okay. <laughs> okay, so you, yeah, so a six twenty one Ranger gets stolen. I had a code come up out of my motor mm-hmm. and all it was was the throttle it's a throttle wire it's electronic you know mm-hmm. so they said they could you know we'll take it in tonight we'll have it ready for you in the morning i brought it in this is during pre-fish too <laughs> and <laughs> um i brought it in and i got a call in the morning um asking me if i picked up my bolt last night and i'm like no i brought you my bolt last night and then, you know, on tour, there's a lot of pranks and stuff that go on with all these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just don't know what's – you just got to watch your back all the yeah. time. These guys are crazy. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm getting pranked here. This is a good one. Um, that, you know, they're actually calling me from the place and my boat's not there, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I was probably talking to this guy for five minutes, you know, not believing him at all. <laughs> And then he's like, you need to come down here. Um, the police are actually coming here. Um, I'm like, all right, I'll come. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to show up at this place and it's going to be it's still a joke. <laughs> and then there was cops there and I'm just like, okay, this isn't a joke. My boat's really gone. Mm. <laughs> you know, so then, you know, that was just another, do- I'm like, ah, I just, I can't win 
you know my <laughs> boat is my boat is gone now with you know all my rods and tackle and you know just oh. you know it's just graphs and waypoints and everything you know for the tournament and I'm yeah just, oh my gosh <laughs> so i ended up you know long story short a buddy of mine borrowed his boat to me mm-hmm. um you know everybody in there you know everybody was you know wanted to you know give me rods and tackle and you know whatever that's so um, cool but you know i had you know some cool people yeah john tennyson you know gave me tons of beads and rods and reels and you know it was just it was really cool you know i got Mm. to you know i really didn't know any you know it was a good and a bad thing for me um i didn't really know anybody but i was getting to know people fast just because (laughs) of all the bad things that were happening to me (laughs) it's like it happened for a reason it seemed almost you know you know after the first day so after the first day of fishing i came in and i had i think 48 or 49 pounds you know, and this is coming from Erie, so I thought, well, it's probably not. It's you know, it was a good weight. My my co-angler that was with me kept saying, "God, this is a really good weight for you know Green Bay." Mm-hmm. But remind you, I I'd never fished Green Bay. That was the first time I was on Green Bay. So I'm like, okay, 48 pounds. I weigh in, grab the boat, I go back to where we're staying because you know I'm trying to figure out all this stuff with my boat, like what I had in it for yeah. insurance, and you know that was what was on my mind. Yikes. And then I got a call from the tournament director asking me where I was. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. And he's like, well, you're in first place. All these people, they want to interview you. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, and I ended up, you know, getting a fifth place, you know, t- another top 10 in that tournament. Nice. Um, on a borrowed boat. And yeah, exactly. It was kind of a blessing because it was like, it was bad that it happened, but it was really good because you know, I was kind of branded at that, as that guy that was having all these problems, mm-hmm. but I was still doing good in the tournaments. Um, it, you know, it just helped cause my name was getting out there, Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good way to get <laughs> yeah. your name out there. I'll tell you that. I, I'd rather do it other ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, that really illustrates the point of just surrounding yourself with good people and, uh, good things happen and people, uh, people will take care of you and, uh, I, that seems like a, a theme for this year too. Um, later on in the interview, we'll uh, definitely talk about uh, some of the stuff that you and the guys you're working with are doing. And uh, I guess um, to wrap up that first question is, looking back, would you have done anything differently? Yeah, I think what I would have done instead of jumping right into the tournaments like I did, even though I had an unbelievable year, mm-hmm. great year. Um, I would have fished as a co-angler, I think, probably at least two, probably three years mm-hmm. just to just all the information and, and fish different lakes um, and being able to get information on those other lakes and building up a bigger network community um, and different tactics on how to you know go about you know fishing because there's so many I mean, I mean, I know a bunch, but, you know, I learn every tournament I fish at in a different body of water, um, I learn something new. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's just so much out there to learn. And I think if I would have waited, you know, two or three years, kind of like how John Hoyer did it, mm-hmm. um, I think it would have probably benefited me more than jumping right into it. But, you know, you, I was going into the 
tournament world thinking I was going to get my butt kicked, even though, you know, I fish a lot of team tournaments and everything, but it's, it's totally different fishing, you know, the pro-am tournaments when you're making decisions on your own. I can imagine. Um, I can, uh, but I can't imagine. Yeah. Just, you know, going in getting my butt kicked, but just learning as much as I can that first year. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I really should have done is just, you know, gone in as a co-angler, <laughs> learned as much as I possibly could without the possibility of losing lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um yeah that kind of brings me to uh my next question uh i didn't get to fish nearly as much as i'd like to um i got to fish the national walleye tour in bay city and then uh, a couple uh local stuff that we do through our uh, lake st Clair walleye association our derbies uh, not nearly as much as i wanted to and when i did i uh didn't do as well as i'd like and i sometimes i kind of got down on myself but uh i guess the question I have for you is what keeps you motivated as you pursue angling as a profession? What keeps me motivated? I think, um, I grew up for me, it's being very, very competitive, Mm -hmm. um, is one of the, one of the things, um, I grew up in the tennis world. I was, you know, nationally ranked, super competitive. Mm. Um, and I, you know, trying to, trying to find something like that as you get older, I still play tennis to this day, very competitively too. Mm-hmm. Um, play it, you know, USTA, all the club pros still travel for tournaments nice. with that. But, um, when I fished, you know, my love is fishing. I, you know, I, I just, I fish all the time. So I, you know, I wanted something competitive. I wanted to fish against those guys and my drive was just to, get better, get better, get better, and then compete against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's different, you know, cause in tennis you can play, play, you can master your, you know, your sport with, you know, fitness and, you know, different, you know, different, you know, techniques of movement on the court, you know, and, you know, it's just totally different in fishing because a lot of it's like, you know, skill and well, there's obviously luck involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and in tennis, there's not, you know, a lot, there's no luck. Either you're going to get beat or you're going to win, you know, you're mentally, you're going to beat this guy. And I think for me, um, fishing, I had to learn, I'm very competitive. So I'm, you know, I'm obviously I'm fishing against these guys. And then if I don't do well, I'm just like, I, all right, what do I, what do I need to do to make myself better to, you know, be competitive with these guys. Mm-hmm. And so that's my drive. I mean, that's, I'm just constantly figuring out ways to do that and it and it's not you know a big part of that is um you know learning techniques and then just mastering them and you know and it's it's just so much involved with fishing you know weather and wind and Mm -hmm. how they're feeding and you know it's it's just different it's different it's a different totally different sport yeah but it's driving me to learn and learn and learn and as where it's fit you know tennis i grew up playing it you know when I was five years old, all the way up, you know, through, uh, in high school, I was super competitive playing nationally, national tournaments. And I knew, you know, you seem like you, you know, everything or what you need to do. You have a coach that's right there that you see every day and in the, in the fishing world. It's just, it's different, you, you know, and that's kind of what drives me. Cause I, I there's so much to learn and, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to all these different lakes um, learning different lakes, not just fishing the same, you know, lake that you always fish all the time. Yeah. Um, and that makes it tough. You know, you, you, you gotta be well-rounded basically if you're going to do this, the tour. Mm-hmm. 
And but yeah, my drive is being competitive. I want to beat these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm the nicest guy, basically off the field or off the water, whatever you want to say. But when you get me on the water, I'm never going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Yeah. I'll go to the last minute <laughs> to catch that fish or last seconds. <laughs> yep. No. Um, I recall so doing. Yeah. <laughs> I recall doing that with you on uh, Inner Bay on Saginaw Bay, and uh, we got catfished at the last minute with a. Uh, Big yeah, and I thought it was a, I thought it was gonna be a tank walleye. I thought so too. But uh, Yeah, and that's the whole thing there. You know, I never gave up there either. Yeah. I, I wasn't fishing where I wanted to fish. Mm. But see that was one of the things that you know, that's the first time I had ever fished Saginaw. Yeah. And we, you know, I had multiple days of twenty five pound bags, mm. you know, eighty miles away. But I didn't know that body of water. Um, you know, through prefish. You know, I kept checking, you know, spots close to that. I'd get fish, get fish, but we kept getting those west winds. Yeah. And my water just kept dropping and dropping. Cooler temperatures, I was catching less and less fish. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know if I could go risk, you know, driving 80 miles up there. And then, you know, a zero, you're pretty much your day's shot. So, you know, we had some, we had fish going in the inner bay too. Mike, you know, I caught some really nice fish, but it wasn't the fish that, you know, I was really confident in fishing. Um, so, but I wasn't going to give up. I mean, I was, I wanted to, I still wanted to get a big bag and yeah. not take myself out. Yep. Um, that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I watched, um, Brett's video he put out about, um, fears fishing national walleye tour as a co-angler. And I'm, I'm like, preach brother. Cause the first time I fished it, um, and I think I told you, I, I actually, the night before I fished with you, I was doing my last grad school paper ever. And I was probably running on four hours of sleep. I'm like, Oh man, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to say something awkward or things are going to come off weird. And then the first thing I do when I jump in your boat, I slip and fall on my rear end. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I I just uh I definitely appreciated uh just absorbing some of that uh drive you have for not giving up. I mean that that was uh super cool and I, I learned a ton and uh a common theme I noticed amongst anglers that uh fish at your level is the the competitive aspect and constantly learning and uh I definitely love that about the sport too and uh I guess the next question I had for you is what is your favorite technique for targeting walleyes and uh, what body of water do you look forward to fishing the most during a season? Um, so, so, you know, I kind of grew up with rod and hand fishing um, and grew up on, you know, a river system and a lake. You know, I used to, I had Square Lake was a lake that I lived right by my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to walk around that lake every day, <laughs> but I sight fish bass. So basically I grew up bass fishing and then I grew up walleye fishing on the river. And so I'm a big, and I loved walleye because mm-hmm. bass, it was just like, you know, you'd walk around until you saw one and then you'd keep, you know, trying to get it until you caught it. <laughs> <laughs> and walleye, you couldn't see, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where, you know, and everybody loved to eat walleye um, and I could catch walleye. So it was like, you know, it was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think rod in hand, um, pitching jigs or, you know, jigging, um, was kind of my big thing growing up, uh, you know, slow rolling jigs in the current. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I fished river. I didn't really fish a lot of, uh, inland, you know, like lakes, you know, where there's no current and stuff for walleyes. I just, you know, I basically grew up fishing the river system growing up, um, other than going to Canada. 
when I was younger. Yeah. For, and then we'd fish for walleyes. But yeah, I'd say jigging hand. Jigging is probably the my number one technique that I like doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drake and I did a Champions Tour, kind of an M- MLF style, Major League Fishing style, for walleye on, on uh, Mille Lacs Lake, and that turned out pretty cool, and that was a lot of fun, too. It was amazing, because um, a, a lot of it was the the glide baits. Yeah. I mean, it, all different kinds of baits that we were using. I mean, we were using Hopkins spoons and um, the jig and wrap probably came in the best and the Johnny darter. Um, but what we were doing basically is just traveling around and using our electronics and just looking for a, you know, a mark. Yeah. And cause the fish were kind of spread out. They were kind of in between there, you know, are they coming from the mud coming into the shallow Some are in the shallow Some are still in the mud. So they're in between, they're set up, you know, all over the place. And uh, we would just get on these reefs and go around the reefs at like, you know, two and a half miles an hour and just drive around till we found a mark. And then we throw it into neutral or reverse <laughs> yep. and just stop the boat and cast behind the boat and, um, and work it. And, you know, I'd say 60% of the time, 70% of the time you get that fish. And if you didn't, you just move on and find, you know, the next mark. Yep. So it seems and, like you guys were uh, like power fishing, trying to eliminate water and just cover water yeah and that's pretty much what we did that that uh the day that we went you know we only had a couple days of pre-fish too so it Mm -hmm. made it a little bit tougher but which was fine i I actually kind of like that um but it was dead calm on the on tournament day and hot Mm -hmm. bright blue skies so it it worked to our advantage that we had kind of figured that out um on one of the days because you know us walleye guys all you know, not always, you know, we're not always using artificial baits yeah. all the time. I think we do use a lot more nowadays, but, you know, if we could have thrown a crawler down there or a creek chub or something, you know, it would have been huge. But you couldn't do that, and we knew you couldn't do that. So it made it kind of cool that everybody was on the same playing field. Gotcha. So it was artificial only. Artificial only, yeah. Nice. For your rod setup, when you're doing that uh, pitching stuff with the glide baits, the spoons, and the tactics you guys were using, um, I always like asking anglers what they use. And um, I I usually use braid on my stuff, but I had a lot of short strokes recently when I've been doing uh, pitching jigs and such. Do you have a preferred setup in terms of uh, rod power action and uh, line? Yeah, something I – and this is something different for me this year. You know, fishing with Drake, uh, he's got me – into fishing with fluorocarbon a lot more okay and i and i have not done a lot of that a lot of mine was all braid everything and you're gonna think i'm crazy when i say this and i it's <laughs> like one of our secrets you know um but we use six pound fluorocarbon and people <laughs> would actually think we're nuts but, really um i don't know what it is and you know i've grown to have a lot of confidence in doing it and drake does it all the time and his brother's a big bass fisherman, so I don't know if he got it from that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you just you don't break off. You, you know, you got to fight the fish. But you know, I use a seven foot rod, kind of a medium action rod, and and yeah, it's just. You know, <laughs> I would have thought he was crazy when he was telling me he's using six pound test, and but 
it works. No kidding. And um, if, if you guys are fishing about around rocks, I I personally I'd be concerned about abrasion resistance. Do you have a particular brand you guys like to run? And do you run a leader at all? So no leader. We're just using uh, really? Berkeley fluorocarbon. Yep. Okay. Yep. Trilene, and um, it's just. <laughs> I, yeah, there's no leader, anything. We fished around rocks when, you know, we fished the Winnebago tournament this year, six pound floral. I, you know, I couldn't believe it because it was kind of cool at that tournament. I, I mean, I learned that, um, Drake was probably doing five, six fish to my one, you know, and I just could not figure out what was going on. And then he was said he was using the, the fluorocarbon and I still didn't go to it because I'm like crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, you know, we're fishing rock piles. Yeah. And uh, so then I switched to it and I started catching them. I took that same concept up to Canada um, on Lake Wabagoon. And, I mean, I was out fishing, you know, the people in the boat. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was night and day. So it, it works. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I try to be a system sinker, but I'm trying to figure out why that would uh, be more advantageous. Could it be the stretch in the line or uh, less well, visibility? A, a lot more stretch in it. I know that, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously compared to the, to the, um, the, the line or the thicker lines, braided lines. Yeah. Um, and then I think hookups, you know, like when you set the hook on those fish with braided line, I mean, I, a lot of people do run leaders off of that too, but I think there's, you know, you have a lot more stress when you're setting that hook on that fish too. Yeah. Makes sense. And I, I don't know, you know, my hookups were, you know, just as good as, you know, using a braided line. So, and I wasn't breaking my line either. Hmm. Cause I think, you know, maybe with that more stretch in it, you have more play with the fish and you have more of a chance of getting that fish than with braided lines. You know, it's, it's just solid and there's not as much give for that fish. No kidding. I'm definitely going to have to try that. Cause, um, I was <laughs> doing some night pitching, uh, last couple weeks. with that kind of like our, uh, fun walleye league, uh, some buddies do and, uh, missed a lot of fish. And I, I think it was cause that braid, because I had less give on, uh, some of those short strikes and, uh, definitely give that one a dance here. Yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, pass it up, <laughs> uh, you know. I'm, and I just keep going to more and more floral now. You know, it's a little, it's a little bit you're getting used to because you know you got to watch for your, you know, kinks in your line and stuff. And, yeah. Um, but once you get used to it, you're gonna love it. And it, you know, it's abrasion resistant too. You know, it's stronger than just monofilament. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Berkeley fluorocarbon line. I've uh, I use it for steelhead fishing. Uh, some Great Lakes run uh, rainbow trouts. Oh, that's tough stuff. I have confidence yeah. in it. I use it as leader. Yeah, and I've been using the 100% floral. I know that that's just what we've been using, but okay. I know they have two different kinds. What body of water do you like fishing the most? I I really like, uh, I, I would have to, oh, that's a hard one, but uh, Lake Wabagoon in Canada is probably one of my favorites just because I've been going up there, you know, 20-some years, um, and you can catch you know, every kind of fish using every kind of technique. You know, you can catch muskie, you can catch northern, smallmouth bass, walleye, crappies, perch. Um, and a lot of it is rod in hand. So, I mean, you control up there too if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll do that sometimes. But, you know, it's just it's just a fun way to fish. But for big fish, you know, 
even though I've caught the biggest wall I've ever caught has been in Lake Wabagoon. Um, I love Lake Erie and, but Lake of the Woods is my Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been going up there many years too. I, I absolutely love Lake of the Woods because there's just, there's just giant fish and the fish on Lake of the Woods. I've never found any walleyes that bite like the fish on Lake of the Woods. They're just mean. Really? So <laughs> they will destroy baits. They're super aggressive. <laughs> I mean, they're to the point where you stop your boat and you actually start going towards them on some of these big fish because they're just, yeah, they're just mean. Hmm. They're hard to get in. That lake has always been a bucket list lake for me, and uh, one day I got to get out there. uh, And now that makes it even more enticing. uh, I want to compare them how uh, they fight on Lake Erie. I'm about an hour away away from Lake Erie myself, and uh, always been a bucket list lake. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the Great Lake fish to the Lake of the Woods, but like even when you're trolling for them, you know, we still use big baits up there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're actually going to announce what bait we were using at Lake of the Woods here. You know, we took, you know, two top tens out there in the championship, so it was pretty cool. But, you know, we use big baits, and and when you get a fish on, I don't know what it is about the Lake of the Woods ones because that rod will just, you know, fold in half. You know, they'll do that in the Great Lakes too. Mm-hmm. But those fish don't seem like they fight as much until they get up close to the boat. Right. Then they, you know, then they shoot down because of the clear water and this and that. But on Lake of the Woods, they fight the whole time. No kidding. Um, and you, they fold that rod in half. And then <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard people in my boat say, you know, you're snagged, you're snagged. You know, it's just the line's just, it's taking drag out, and it, you know, it appears to be snake. You can't hardly get the rod out of the rod holder. Jeez. And and it's that, it's, that fish bites the whole way back just like that, you know? So. Closest thing but, I've ever experienced to that was uh, one of the fish I caught on uh, Breast Bay, Michigan waters of Lake Erie, and uh, I thought I had a, a steelhead or a salmon on, and uh, kind of what you were yeah. explaining, it was yep. just bulldogging me and running, and I'm like, this is not a walleye, not on uh, not on the Great Lakes, not anywhere I fish, and turns out yep. it was, it was uh, 11 and a half pounds, it was uh, pretty fun, but <laughs> I'd never fought one that fought like that before. Yeah, they, yeah exactly, They that that's a great comparison. I mean, I think it, it's just like fishing for salmon, mm-hmm. you know, how they fight. They just never, or trout, they just never give up. Yeah. And that's how those walleyes are in Lake of the Woods. It's a, it's such a fun place to fish because you catch so many fish too. No kidding. Do you have any preferred way to target walleyes this time of year yourself? Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I'll slow roll with current, I mean, I don't know if you guys have... Well, you guys have river systems up there, oh, too. Oh, yeah, we do. That whole lake <laughs> um, off Lake St. Clair is full of current. Yeah, using plastics or some kind of rib, you know, ribworm plastic. Yeah. Um, and just slow rolling it with the current going down until they pick it up. You know, they're looking for, you know, shad or... I'm not sure exactly what's in your system, but in our system, you know, the shad, they go through, through our uh, gates and stuff and they get, you know, knocked up and... A lot of times the bait, you know, either dies or it'll go down towards the bottom of the river and it just kind of rolls down the bottom, you know, and these fish are just picking it up in the current. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, you know, slow rolling jigs, dragging jigs, um, pitching wise in the fall, depending on, you know, if you're earlier in the year, you know, early, early fall, you know, if the water temperature is still 50, 60, you know, a little bit smaller profile plastic probably I use. 
um, a lot of, you know, I use a lot of like rib worms, but maybe the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but later in the year, I just keep, you know, you just keep making them bigger and bigger. Those fish are trying to put the feed bag on and, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to pitch a, you know, a six inch plastic in shallow at all. Hmm. Um, and then also I, I love doing, you know, finding a weed line and, uh, using, uh, mini boards, the offshore tackle mini boards yeah. with the floats and, you know, I'll cast a beetle spin off that and, uh, or put a beetle spin on, put the mini board, you know, I cast it out, just clip on the mini board and go right along the weed edge or even into the weeds. Cause those beetle spins are kind of like a spinner bait. They don't get caught up in the weeds real yeah, you know, a lot. They're awesome. And the walleyes are in there just feeding like crazy. So, you know, they're a lot of times, at least around here, they're eating perch and, um, and those perch are in those weeds mm-hmm. and they just, it's a fun time of the year because you catch a lot of big fish doing it and they're aggressive. So, you know, they'll hmm. bury that, bury that back. <laughs> the, uh, that technique you're talking about pulling those beetle spins. I typically cast those. Um, do you find that, uh, trolling those, uh, is effective at nighttime too, or is that more of a day bite? Yeah, I guess I, you know, I probably do that more during the day. Um, you know, the night bite around here, I'm not a huge night fisherman mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's not like, I don't really have like the great lakes around me Yeah. and, um, but Mille Lacs, you know, we used to fish, you know, at night with bobbers, um, and troll. And I think probably, you know, the big, I've, you know, I've done it down on pool four fishing at night for the walleyes, you know, cause the water clears up so much mm-hmm. that you, it almost turns into a night bite. Um, but it's so cold, and I'm not a big fan of being in the boat fishing when it's freezing cold. It's a little different ice fishing. Mm-hmm. You're a little warmer, but, yeah. you know, I've, I've done it. It's fun doing it, but, you know, it's just, oh, it's brutal sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a lot of times, that like, when I've done night fishing, like, up on the lax, you know, I'll troll, I'll troll, you know, shad-style baits, you know, early, you know, early fall, 50, 60-degree water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you get, you know, once it gets a little bit colder, you know, and I mostly all I've done that on the, on the moon phase, the full moon. Um, it's pretty much my fishing at night. Yeah. Um, I, I know you guys fish a lot at night all the time, but the moon phases around here, you know, you got three, four, five days before and after it's usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. The, the, those bait come up shallow and, um, I'll fish the shad style baits, you know, 50 to 60 degree water, um, and then later in the fall, you start using the bigger baits, you know, more slender, longer, mm-hmm. you know, husky jerks, that kind of stuff, um, with water temperatures below 50. That's pretty much what I've done. Um, but, you know, I've never really tried anything else. You know, this, the jigging wraps and the Johnny darters and that kind of stuff is really turned on. I, that could be really good at night, too. I don't know. Hmm. I you know, if we're bobber it. fishing... Yeah, if we're bo- you know, we used to bobber fish all the time with lighted bobbers, which is a blast. Cause, yeah. You know, that bobber goes under and you can watch it go all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, why wouldn't uh, a jigging wrap or, you know, some kind of glide bait work also at night? I think it would work really good. Just, I don't get a lot of opportunity to fish at night. I just don't do it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about that moon phase theory. I've heard different things on it and, uh, some of the, uh, old timers and, uh, guys that have way more years on the water than me chat about that. Um, the full moon plus or minus three days around that. And, uh, is that also the same for like a new moon? 
Yeah, so you have the different moons, like, you know, even in the fall, there's the late moon, or mm-hmm. whatever, I don't know what you call it, the, basically the late moon, the last full moon, before, it, you know, it's going to freeze over, mm-hmm. that's kind of like that, that's me growing up, that's when we started using bigger baits, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, the early moon, I, I think that's what we call it, actually, the early moon, um, we would use shad baits, that, that's all I remember growing up, you know, shad, and then we use big baits, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that was the biggest difference for me. It was usually weather, or, you know, temperature. Mm-hmm. It was, it was usually freezing cold. And I think growing up, that's probably why I don't like it as much fishing at night. Cause I couldn't see what I was doing Yeah, and I was cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how, uh, we carry some of those scars, uh, as kids, you know, I never really had that much perch fun perch fishing when I was a kid and I, I still don't really do it, but, uh, uh, I love my walleye fishing and, uh, that stuck with me. Yeah. 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 That's just like, you know, just even fishing during the day and the rain and the snow and that kind of stuff, like for tournaments mm-hmm. where you have to go out when you're pre-fishing. I just, I learned a lot from Dave Anderson who, you know, has passed away now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? He's like, every day was a good day to go fishing. Um, you know, just feel blessed you're fishing. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I look at it. You know, Hey, it's raining. He, he would, you know, he let's go catch some fish. You know, who cares if it's raining? And I think in tournaments, that makes a big difference with, you know, people too. You know, it takes guys out of the tournament with the cold weather, the rain. Mm. You'll see them just sitting in the boat, you know, trolling along. You know, it just it just takes people out mentally. Yeah. And if you can if you beat that um, and just say, okay, let's catch some fish. Who cares if it's raining? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be wet, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to be dry. There you go. <laughs> Resilience and mental toughness to keep you going through that stuff. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, so when I talked about the current stuff in uh, our lake, which is Lake St. Clair, we have uh, uh, St. Clair River and also Detroit River, which have uh, big currents. And Detroit River's got a mile and a half to two mile an hour currents. Uh, you probably know yeah. that. Then even that's, greater. That's like us. Yeah. yeah. Or even um, more, yeah. So some of the casting stuff we do uh, on the lake is uh, more of like a yo-yo slash walk the dog and um Many anglers I know, including me, struggled to get a consistent cadence with pitching jigs uh, when you got a lot of floating weeds during that fall. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, do you have any tips for that? With, like the sand grass and stuff? Yeah. It's just floating. It's just yeah. thick. Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brutal. But what I've learned in the tournament world, like you just have to be resilient and just constantly – get that bait in where you want it mm-hmm. and you, you know, you get weeds on it. You just reel it in quick, take them off, cast back out. Something I learned from, uh, actually Jason Doyen fishing up, you know, up there like Sault Ste. Marie and stuff. Um, like when you're trolling in that, in, in those weeds like that, um, you know, where we'd normally just use a trolling rod and, uh, line counting reel and try to get it out there and you know you just gotta let it go back mm-hmm. well they kind of you know they they'll use long rods with spinning reels on it and they'll cast it out there you'll be able to troll for you know maybe 20 seconds 30 seconds get a weed just reel it in really quick take the weed off cast it back out there you know and you, you're just getting that bait in the zone for you know as much as long as you can mm-hmm. um and i think that's the way it is with you know a lot of this stuff you know you know kind of like that you know i'll cast a crankbait and weeds you know, knowing that I'm going to catch weeds, but, you know, I still have that opportunity of catching those fish in those weeds, too. Yeah. So I, I think you just have to be kind of, you just got to grind and grind and grind. And I know that sand grass is absolutely horrible, especially when you're trying to fish wing dams and 
stuff like that. It's just, it, it can be really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, I think it's just being, uh, just grinding it out. Um, it's like fishing the trees. It's the same thing, you know, with jigs, you know, you know, you're going to bust off, but have, you know, have a hundred jigs there. <laughs> you know, you break off, you tie. I was kind of like the, you know, fishing devil's like, we, I think our group went through almost 500 jigs. Unreal. <laughs> and, you know, a normal person wouldn't do that, but you're going to, if you're going to get those fish in those trees, you got to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the difference. No but kidding. It's tough. Sandgrass is tough or floating weeds are absolutely tough. I know some, some people tie, you know, like, uh, leave your knots a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. you know, tie, tie a leader on there leave leave that knot you know the end hang so you know the weeds will you know catch on that knot um that does help but you know if they're really thick it you know it just doesn't even matter yeah just keep grinding keep, yeah just keep grinding you know because you know the fish are there you know that one time you're going to get in there and you're not going to get the weeds on it you're going to go hmm. just yeah makes mentally perfect. Yeah, that's what i think <laughs> makes perfect sense to me um, yeah, so yeah, I kind of wanted to transition and talk a little bit about some of the things that you got going on with the guys you work with. And, uh, part of the angling experience is just enjoying life with the company you're with and, uh, sharing the joy of fishing. I can't think of anyone that does that better than, uh, yourself and the guys you work with and, uh, really enjoy the media you guys put out, um, to kind of show a unique side of tournament fishing at the national walleye tour. Can you share a little bit about how you and your teammates began working together and uh, kind of where you're headed with your new venture? Yeah, so I, um, well, last year, or 2017, I, I fished with Drake for the first time. Mm-hmm. And basically what I was looking for is I'm, I really like the media portion. So, and I, obviously I like to have, you know, I, I got to have a good time doing this. Otherwise it's, you know, there's no point in doing this. If you're not having fun, you might as well just fun fish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was really looking for a guy, um, Drake was looking to start fishing in the NWT. Um, and I, and I knew him from the past, you know, he, you know, he ran a warrior boat. Um, he was running the same boat I was running. And then also he has done a lot of media stuff himself. And he, you know, he has his own tackle company um, and produces tackle. So he's in the fishing world, you know, every day, all day. And another aspect, you know, he's a great guy, mm-hmm. a really good guy. Um, so he had, you know, it was perfect. We fished the entire year. Didn't have probably the, the best year, but we, you know, we did good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad year. Um, learned a lot and uh, did a lot of video stuff he has the same ideas that i have and what we wanted to do for the next year and just grow this make it bigger um and do you know do something that you know not everybody else is doing yeah you know just let people know what it's really like to be a tournament angler what it takes to be um you know in these pro-am tournaments and on tour and the grind and you know all the networking and travel being away from your family and you know that kind of stuff that people just don't see and then people that want to get into um these kind of tournaments what you know what they need to do or what how they should start you know that's kind of where i was because when i jumped in there wasn't a lot of information for me to 
find other than fishing as a co-angler. I mean, there wasn't videos or, you know, that kind of stuff on the, on the co-angler side. Like, how do I get into these tournaments? It's just not, it's just not out there. And a lot of the, the business side is not out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then this year, uh, Mike Olson from fish addictions TV who runs, uh, does a lot of ice fishing, uh, television show. He also does a lot of summer fishing, but just, um, he had 15 tournaments done very well in team tournaments, but he wanted to jump into the pro side. Um, and we thought it'd be perfect because, uh, you know, he's kind of got the same plan, same ideas that mm-hmm. both Drake and I have. And, you know, he's got the experience with the television show. Um, you know, we hired a camera guy also and an editor this year. Mm-hmm. And then Mike obviously already has that. Um, so it was, we were really looking forward to this year, um, trying to bring uh, the lifestyle, I guess, of what we go through on tour to the viewers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I don't think's really been done at all. Um, you know, you watch videos and, it, you know, you'll watch a tournament, they'll show you the tournament. But, you know, everybody thinks you get to go fishing. It's just, you know, oh, that's awesome. It's fun. It's not work. I, you know, it's, it'd be a lot easier going to my day job than <laughs> going yeah. fishing. Uh-huh. But, you know, I love fishing. So, you know, that's, it makes it easy for me, mm-hmm. but, you know, being up before dark, um, getting off the water when it, you know, after dark and then, the, you know, just preparing all your rods, going over, you know, all the information, trying to get ready for the next day. You know, a lot of times it's raining, it's snowing, it's, and you're out on Saginaw, you got four to five footers every day. Yep. You know, your body, it just wears down. Um, and, you know, people just don't see that part of it. Being away from your family for, you know, nine days, mm. you know, every month or sometimes more than that. Um, all that plays a huge part in it you know, everything, you know, you're missing birthdays and weddings and, you know, that, that kind of stuff just to do what you love. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice in it. And we just thought we wanted to bring that to the people so they could actually see, you know, what really goes into it. I think, you know, this was the first year doing it. I, you know, I think we did, I I think the show is going to blow it out of the water when it comes out. I think it's going to be unreal, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's only going to get better too. I I think we can, it's, it's going to be pretty neat. Fishing with these guys is unbelievable. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I would do anything for these guys. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, we just, we mesh really good. We're, we're all kind of on the same page and, it's just, it's working really good. That's awesome. And I think we'll be able to grow something that, you know, um, that hasn't really been done in the fishing world. And I think we'll be able to relate to a lot more people. Yeah, my take on seeing the updates you guys uh, post on the tournaments this year is that it, it's it's more about uh, brotherhood and, uh, I guess, uh, going through the entire thing, the ups and downs, and I'm excited for it Uh is that something that is kind of more aired regionally in like Minnesota, Wisconsin, or is that going to go through uh, various broadcasting all in the Midwest? 
Yeah, so this year it's going to be on Fox Sports North. Okay. So I don't know if you guys get that. Fox Sports North, it'll be on Fox Sports North Wisconsin also. Okay. Um, and then it'll also be, you know, we'll obviously put the episodes on YouTube. Um, and then I think there's another outlet. Uh, not exactly sure what that is um, on, you know, through media. And then, you know, we'll, we'll be sharing all the stuff too, but. Yeah, so this year, you know, I think that's what it's going to be. We have a lot of ideas for next year mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that we're going through right now. So awesome. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty cool. We have some cool things to announce. Can't quite announce anything yet, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, I'm, uh, or we are growing um, in the, I think, in the right direction of what we want to do. And yeah. we just want, you know, and another thing for us is we, you know, we really want to be approachable to anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really want to just relate to everybody. And, you know, you don't, I mean, we just, we want to help people. I, I love helping people try to get in the sport Yeah. because I know what I was going through and, you know, it's just, I, and I had certain people, Brett King was huge for me. Mm. You know, he helped me get in front of the right people or, you know, say, Hey, take a chance on this guy or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. John Tennyson, you know, was huge too. I mean, there's been a lot of guys mm-hmm. um, and it just makes a difference. And if, if we can help, you know, somebody do that same thing that, you know, they're getting into this cause we need young, we need new guys to keep growing this sport. And, yeah. And, and then I'll, you know, obviously we're all involved with the kids too. So mm-hmm. um, we, you know, after every tournament we do, you know, the kids events and, um, I love working with kids. That's awesome. The, uh, one thing I can emphasize and I can, uh, talk about from personal experiences, the guys you fish with, uh, to include you are, are very, uh, welcoming and accommodating. I, I actually, the first time I met you, um, my buddy noticed, noticed your vehicle and your boat at Frank's outdoors. So we went in there to uh, pick up some things and then, uh, when they when uh we my buddy Jeff saw you it was like a schoolhouse circle around you and Jeff and uh I'm assuming some other co-anglers that travel with you guys and it was just a pretty cool experience but um yeah the the one thing I've noticed about uh all the pros I've interacted with is they're totally approachable and uh definitely uh are helpful in terms of uh knowledge and uh getting people comfortable in doing this sort of thing so I appreciate it and and guys that are going to fish these uh pro-am style tournaments like the national walleye tour um you know you'll be in good hands you're gonna have a lot of fun and uh definitely looking forward to seeing the uh the media stuff the shows uh on the various social media platforms and uh tv that that's super exciting yeah 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 um, it is yeah so uh another question i had is uh i'm you know i i work full-time uh doing stuff for the army and uh I, I really enjoy uh, business and stuff. That's what I went for school for and uh, the concept of innovation within walleye fishing and uh, within the fishing industry is something I, I really enjoy just kind of watching and watching how uh, knowledge, uh, techniques, tackle, gear kind of diffuses through the industry and eventually to anglers. And uh, it appears that a lot of the great innovations in walleye fishing are spread when uh, pro anglers collaborate, work together with uh, industry partners and share that knowledge to help everyone benefit. Um, 
So with that said, what is the professional angler's role in spurring on innovation and sharing that knowledge to the public? Yeah, I think, you know, like, you know, a lot of us and, um, you know, they, everybody thinks we're very, very secretive of all, you know, a lot of that actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, explain, a, you know, a little piece of it or whatever. Um, but if you ever watch like, uh, and I think these guys do a great job, the next bike guys, yeah, um, they're not afraid to, and I, and I only know this for a fact because I'm fishing against them mm-hmm. and we just got off this body of water and, you know, if they're shooting a show or they're doing tips or whatever, you know, Keith Cavias is to the point of when he's giving updates throughout the tournament. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of scary because it's like, all right, so this is what Keith is seeing and this is what I'm seeing. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there, honesty is a huge thing. And I think, um, if you, you do that with your people, they're going to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, it, you know, uh, you know, obviously the power of influence is huge because, you know, you're catching these fish and people are watching you catch these fish Yeah. and, you know, okay, we're going to go out to the bait store. We're going to buy that bait and, you know, if you know if we're doing it the way you're doing it you should be able to catch fish and i think i think if you're honest with your the people that you know you know that you're showing techniques and new products to and not just saying it because you know it's a, a sponsor or or whatever mm-hmm. um people will trust you and believe you and and i think and that's kind of what we've gone through you know just like you can show people everything you still got to catch them you know, yeah. You know, you, and it's just like Dave Anderson would say. You know, it's a waypoint here, a waypoint there. Yeah, I've caught fish there. Um, it's a great waypoint, but you still got to be able to catch fish there. So yeah, you, know, you can have the waypoint, but you still got to catch fish. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's and I and I believe and I believe that, and I think that's the way I'm going. And that's our our whole team is like that. So mm. I mean, we're not holding anything back. I mean, life is short, and you know, it's just. I think it's the the best way, the easiest way, and um, it's not just sponsor driven. It's you know I'm not afraid to talk about a different bait that I don't I'm not sponsored by, but mm-hmm. a lot of the baits that I do use, the reason I'm sponsored by them is because I use them all the time. So, I mean, you might as well work with companies that you know the stuff that you use all the time. It, it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, so it's a lot easier to talk about a product that you really like. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so uh the big uh takeaways i kind of got was that uh just being honest with uh products you believe in uh whether it's it's new techniques tackle if, if you're honest and, and you have integrity and, and are transparent about that people naturally feel that and that's how a lot of innovation and uh, knowledge gets shared yep yep exactly and you mm. know a lot of the stuff we we learn, you know, it's taking different baits and doing different things with them. And I think even with you, you, when we were fishing, uh, pulling spinners, you saw something that I was doing that you had never seen with a, a spoon. Many things. Um, yeah. And, uh, the moonshine so, spoon. Yeah. The moonshine spoon. So there's a lot of different things that we do, um, that, you know, it's not really public, but you know, once it gets public or, you know, say we win a tournament or do really good in a tournament and you explain that, um, you know, I'm not afraid to do that. And, and then it, it, it's a whole nother technique for people to do. And, 
and another reason to buy more spoons. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, fill another 3,700 Plano <laughs> box full. Yeah. That's for so. sure. Um, yeah. Well, um, well, I definitely wanted to talk about some of those uh, Renegade Outdoor Innovation baits. Uh, one that I really love here, uh, Fishing Lake St. Clair and, and Lake Erie, is uh, that size 9 uh, flicker minnow perch. That thing's just dirty good. And uh, fishing them in the weeds and fishing mud flats, that's been uh, super. Um, and Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you got any favorites from that lineup? I use the ripping wraps, too. Yeah, I like the spot tail shiner mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's going to come out, which is new, it's going to be coming out um within the next day or two um uh a color pattern that hasn't been out um, that we use on lake and it's a great fall color pattern so it'll be really good um you know probably the spot tail shiner and the perch are probably my favorites out of out of all those um there's a couple different perch patterns and obviously being able to work with drake you know who who owns that and mm-hmm. does the painting, you know, we have some different ones that, you know, we're trying all the time to see, you know, if they work better, but they, they're so lifelike and real that, I mean, it honestly, it looks, you know, it looks like the real bait I and mean, he's able to do this on plastics too. So yeah, um, we do, you know, we use a lot of the plastics, um, especially in the fall too, uh, you know, the, with the paint schemes on them also. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool what he's doing there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely making its way out to Michigan and, uh, those baits are awesome. Like I said, that, uh, that perch is dirty good for flicker minnow. Love it. And you know, he can, he can do it on, on any bait too. So that, that's, what's kind of cool about it. You know, some Mm -hmm. of these swim baits are so like lifelike that it's, this is like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to check some of those plastics out. Um, I haven't used any of his yet, but uh, I like what I have in the crankbaits and the rip and wrap so far. So I'll definitely yep, yep. branch out there. Yeah. That jointed, that jointed flicker shad with that perch um, paint. I mean, it's, it's lifelike. Mm. <laughs> those haven't it's, been it's, released to the public yet. The, uh, no, flicker, that's right. I should have said that. <laughs> I they're, can... they're, they should be out any time now. I mean, they were awesome yeah okay (laughs) cool um yeah so one of the last questions i had for you is as a professional angler how do you best balance work life and competitive fishing yeah that's a hard thing you know for my work life you know it's really i'm a nurse Mm -hmm. um and a lot of people don't know that but i do conscious sedation so i you know i knock people out for a living basically Mm -hmm. and uh work at a trauma one hospital and I really am not there that much anymore because the fishing world has taken over my life <laughs> and I have an eight year old. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, uh, which is awesome that I've been able to do that and that, you know, that's my goal. My goal is just to be a hundred percent fishing. I, you know, but the, the nursing is always there. I, I probably work, I don't know, six to eight days a month still doing mm-hmm. that. Um, and then I pick up for people that, you know, need help with vacation or whatever, if, you know, if I'm around or I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the family, I mean, that's probably my hardest one. And I, you know, I've been trying to get better and better and better at that because I know that's a, I, I mean, if you look back at the, these fishing guys in this fishing world, mm-hmm. um, 
long term, you know, it's not it's not a good thing. But you know, I, I a majority of them are divorced. Oh, <laughs> because it, this this whole world just kind of takes you over. And um, but I look at mine different. You know, I try to do different things. And you know, mm-hmm. when I'm home, I try to be home. Yeah, and not not always a hundred percent fishing. Um, you just it's something I need to work on and be better about. Um, you know, going to going to church every Sunday, trying to do that with my family and, yeah. you know, going out to eat, you know, that, you know, that kind of stuff has been huge for me. Mm. Um, so, you know, just when I'm home trying to be home and when I'm, you know, getting ready for a tournament and going out to the tournament, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore. So I, you know, I, th- I mean, that's what I'm thinking about, but you know, I have an eight year old now mm. and it was a lot easier when she was younger it's hard to believe, but you know, now that she's older, you know, she misses you a little bit different. You know? Yeah. Like, Oh, you're leaving again. You know, mm. like she's able just to say it like that, you know? Yeah. So it kind of hits you, but you know, thank goodness for technology and FaceTime, and, you know, that kind of stuff. It really, really helps. And mm. you know, that's a nightly call that you talk to your daughter and your, and your wife. So, but yeah, I, one thing I'm working on every day is, the family part because it's, you know, it's always, you know, they always say in this fishing world, it's family, mm-hmm. um, uh, finance and then fishing, you know, so get your you know stuff together. And, um, it's kind of what I work on the three F's, the three F's. I've never heard that before, but I'm taking <laughs> notes and, uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go fishing. If you, you know, don't put yourself in a hole. Yeah. That makes sense. Which can happen in this world. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, me and some good friends of mine call it a rich man sport, and uh, without uh, without sponsors and without uh, you know, being independently wealthy, that's kind of tough to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a whole whole business discussion side too. You know, it's I think if you're gonna make it, you really need to. You know, I really wish. You know, I I'm a nurse. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, going, going, looking back at it, if I would have went in for marketing and business, knowing that I wanted to do this, you know, fishing gig full time, it would have been smart. Um, but you know, I learning and learning and learning, you know, I've started up a, a network marketing company and, you know, I have like 250 people underneath me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just doing certain things just to help you and, you know, with something that you want to do to make you better is, you know, you can do it. I mean, if you want to do it, you'll do it. Yeah. But if you just sit back and wait and wait for it to happen, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So you have to take the initiative and, uh, and if it's something you're passionate about, be driven about it and pursue it with everything in your, the fiber of your being. Yep. Just mm. keep going at it. If you really want it, if there's something you really want, I, I truly believe you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I honestly do. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just me, but I think, you know, in this world, I think, you know, if you really want something, you can, you can do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter your education background, nothing. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of people that are the most successful never went to college. So yeah. Case in point. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> yeah, all about yeah, I mean, drive. Yep. It is. Yeah. Um, well, this is, uh, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm getting ready to have, uh, my first kid in uh, January and uh, <laughs> as a, as an angler and uh, I, I kind of fish some of the uh, local tournaments around here. And also I definitely want to do some more co-angling stuff, 
But um, as a father yourself, do you have any tips for me or any other uh, young fathers for uh, starting their family and balancing the uh, fishing and family yeah. piece? So whatever you like and you have, don't give it up because you'll never get it back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, yeah. My my very first year, I started on the pro am. The tour is when I had my kid. Mm-hmm. So my you know, my wife is uh, <laughs> my wife's amazing. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the tips. It, it's a lot easier when they're younger to do stuff. Once they get older. It's tougher when you're, you know, you're missing their birthday or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, mm. it's harder on them. Cause you know, I remember my daughter telling me that I have never been to one of her birthday parties no. ever or being home on her birthday. Mm-hmm. So I actually missed <clears throat> filming a TV show, <clears throat> um, which is a great opportunity for me, mm-hmm. but I missed it just to stay home for her birthday for the first time. So, you know, that, you know, it's, it's stuff like that you just got to do. Yeah. Um, you, you just have to, you got to put your family first and just always remember your family. If you're going into fishing, just your family is priority number one. Mm. Otherwise they won't be there. <laughs> yeah. And do you think that's part of the root cause with, uh, some of the family trends that you noticed with uh, the competitive fishing thing is just losing, uh, losing sight of that being the top priority. Yep. I totally believe it because you're mm. on the road so much, you know? Yeah. You're, you're not home. I mean, you know, even, you know, say you just fish the tour and not fishing out any other tournaments, mm-hmm. you're, you know, four months or five months, you're gone at least 10 days, <clears throat> you know, that month, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, a third of, of a month every, you know, that's all summer too. Yeah. So, and then you do sports shows and boat shows and seminars and, um, you know, you're gone a lot. You're just, you're on the road. My wife travels a lot for her job too, but it, it's just, I, I don't know. I just, it's different. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, she's gone three or four days. It's not, you know, once you get past that 10 day mark, I remember I did a uh, back to back. I did an FLW tournament and an AIM tournament back to back out on green Bay and they're both pro-am and they, I, I was gone for 20 days or 21 days straight mm. and I, you know, after that, I said, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not going to do this again. I won't fish two series. You know, it was just like, I felt like I was, <laughs> I needed a new home, you know. <laughs> not worth I it. I home forever. Yeah. I'm like, I need to go home. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about uh, after a long day on the water or time away fishing or just being away from home, just being home and uh, not just being, and something I'm working on too uh, from a family aspect is, uh, there's a difference between being home and being present at home. And I'm trying yep, to be exactly. a better man about that. And, uh, definitely encouraged by, uh, some of your thoughts on that too. So, uh, I really appreciate that. Um, yep. That, that whole silent mode on your phone. I don't know if you have an iPhone, you can put it yep. on silent mode. You don't get anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Just hundred percent of your family. It's yeah. hard. I know it's super hard, but it's something I'm, trying to get better and better and better at. Um, and it makes for a, a better wife is a happier wife and a mm. lot easier to do other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's um, definitely a challenge in today's hyper-connected uh, environment mm. with uh, media, phones, all, all that stuff. You want to be glued to it. And uh, my wife definitely brings me back to reality, <laughs> man. <laughs> you got yep. that thing glued in your, in your hand and uh, I, yep. I definitely need to do better with that. But uh 
Yeah. And once your kid gets old enough, she'll let you know. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, my, my parents smoked when I was young, and I used to just heckle them until they finally just quit. Yep. My daughter will be like, you're on your phone again. You're on your phone again. <laughs> you know, it's just a constant thing. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm over here, Dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then it's like, all right, we need to go do something, you know. So, yeah, it's something I'm I'm definitely, you know, working on. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, uh, hopefully I'll see you at the Sault Ste. Marie uh, National Walleye Tour event this upcoming year. I will year. be there. Yeah, I will definitely be there. I'm looking forward to that one. I've only fished there once. Um, and all I remember, it was shallow, shallow, and shallow. Uh, the queen just got home and uh, want to help <laughs> load the Jeep here. <laughs> yeah, you better do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate yeah. it, Robert. No problem. Anytime, Rob. Yeah. Well, let's keep in touch and uh, thank you and have a have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. All right. Take care. See ya. Yep. yep bye. Bye.